0: Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker.
1: Welcome back for another OG show live. Mr. Randall, how you
2: doing? What's up, everybody? Welcome back to The Reel Down.
3: Welcome back to another episode of Bass Fishing for News. Hi, boys and girls. Welcome to,
2: once again, Bass Guy dance Brother... This is the final cast. Another segment of uh, Chasing the Tide, your saltwater connection on the Palatine.
3: Welcome back, everyone. Another episode of
2: Feather and Fur, your host. Welcome back to the Mindset Podcast. I'm your host, Chris. Hey, welcome back to Off the Water.
3: This is here with Adventures of Outdoor Woman Podcast. Hey, guys. Welcome to the Rusty Hook Kayak Fishing Podcast.
1: We're brought to you by...
3: Welcome back to another episode of Bass Fishing for Noobs here on the Paddle and Fin Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Lavery. My co-host, Susie, is out this week. She uh, had her surgery for her shoulder. She is doing well from all things, uh, all reports that I've heard, but uh, we want to wish her uh, continued good health in her recovery and hope that that goes smoothly so she can get uh, heal up quickly and get back out on the water. Um, But I wanted to thank you guys again for joining me for another episode of Bass Fishing for Noobs. Excited about the show tonight because... Uh, The topic that we're going to talk about is something that I just don't have a lot of experience with. Um, I kind of live vicariously through all the stories that I hear because it sounds amazing. Um, And I just don't have that much of um, uh, the kind of areas that this technique is good for right around me. Um, I I, I probably have the closest place is probably about an hour away and uh, it just gets longer from there. So I don't get to fish this kind of uh, technique very much, but um, it's definitely something I need to learn and want to learn. Um, so I reached out to Brian this week, um, knowing that uh, I was going to be flying solo, and I said, hey, um, I'm looking for somebody uh, to cover uh, you know, a b- specific topic, and uh, he was lucky enough to uh, hook me up with tonight's guest, Mr. Blaine Upton, so welcome to the new show, Blaine. What is
2: going on, man? I am glad to be here. I love being on some paddle and fin, man. I love the intro is beautiful. The intro y'all have made, man, it's, it's amazing. I love it. It reminds me of like that old school wake up on Saturday morning, turn <laughs> it on TV, and there it is right in front of you, you know. Man, I, uh, I love it. So y'all y'all have built something really cool here. I love paddling, man.
3: Thanks, dude. I appreciate the the kind words, and uh, we are super fortunate to have some great people on our team that are way better at that technical stuff than I am. I'm a computer An IT guy for a living, but like when I get home, the computer is the last thing I want to touch. And you know these guys put a lot of time into uh, that kind of stuff, and I'm super grateful to have them here because they definitely pick up my slack and uh, make this an easy job for me uh, and make us look really good. So you know, definitely I appreciate that, and I will pass that along to them because they (laughs) do a great job. So, so uh, how's it been, man? Uh, I appreciate you coming on the show, especially it's kind of last minute. uh, I reached out to Brian this morning. And I was like, "Hey, I'm looking for someone, trying to find somebody. I'm struggling a little bit this week." And he's like, "No, no, I got a great person, man." And he uh, put t- us together. And you're like, uh, kind enough to come on relatively quickly. So I totally appreciate that. You're bailing me out, bud.
2: Dude, it's no problem at all, man. I was just hanging around tonight. Got a got a little bass boat event Sunday. Don't have a whole lot going on this weekend. And like I said, I never mind being on paddling fin. It's one of my one of my favorites. So, man, I. I was really excited though for this to be a technique specific podcast. I mean, I haven't seen a whole lot of stuff on that. You know, I, I've gotten a lot of like recognition for you know catching big fish doing this, but I've never gotten to talk about what I actually do. So this is this is actually pretty cool and delving into it. I feel like I'm going to talk everybody's head off, but I'm doing my best to do my best to. Uh, do my best to you know, keep it, keep it on topic. So,
3: well, that's all right. Cause, um, you know, I've gotten comments from our listeners before and that's, you know, one of the things that brought me to doing this kind of show is, is learning. And, you know, so many people talk about it, but so few actually go into the, the very specifics of it. And and the, that's the stuff that I crave. And I think that's the stuff that brings our listeners back, uh, week in and week out. Cause, uh, you know, a lot of people take for granted that people know how to do this and, and, um, you know, it it's definitely something, you know, that doesn't come easy to me. And um, I mean, it, it makes sense and I can watch videos on it all day long, but actually getting out there and putting it into practice is a whole nother thing. So but before we get into that, I wanted to give you a chance to kind of introduce yourself to any of the folks who aren't familiar with you. Um, I know you've been on, you mentioned pre-show that, yeah, you've been on quite a few different podcasts, but, um, you know, for the folks that don't know you, uh, kind of go through who you are, where you're from, how you got into kayak fishing, that kind of thing?
2: Easy enough. So my name is Blaine Upton. I am from basically Columbia, South Carolina. If you really want to get specific, it's a small two-stop light town called Chapin. Um, It is right on the shores of Lake Murray, which uh, is, you know, dead in the center of the state. Um, I grew up here. I've lived upstate and in the center of the state, but most of my life in the center of the state um grew up fishing bass boat stuff got into college sold my boat did school got out of it and you know money wasn't exactly the uh the thing most abundant in my life <laughs> so i uh, i decided man i was like what's a cheap way to get back into competitive fishing and i looked into kayak fishing and i was like man i don't know how i feel about it and then i saw motors and stuff like that and i was like man this is gonna be this is kind of cool let me try this So I got into it, fished my first tournament in 2019. I was in the top 10 for AOI in my first year um, in our local events. Um, Fished my first KVF event in 2019, qualifying for the national championship, which, you know, pretty cool. Just going to see it on a national level and going somewhere that wasn't home. Got to do that. And so um, late 2019, I'm pretty sure it was, or if it wasn't, late it was a few months before i went to gunnersville um i was added to team new canoe which uh is where i've gotten to be sort of close with brian and you know get to know him a little bit and um so been on team new canoe since i am uh starting in 2020 i helped help direct a tournament trail in south carolina called Palmetto state kayak bass fishing um we've moved this year to be on an app and increased turnouts and, you know, are trying to grow. And, you know, it's been pretty cool to do that. So um, outside of that, the main reason I got into kayak fishing was to, you know, get back into competitive fishing in some nature. That was the first thing in my head was I want to get back into tournaments and because I I really love the competitive nature of it and uh getting into that and i have a lot of rivers around me and i figured a kayak would be a good catch-all to be able to fish any place i wanted to and you know do it on a decent budget so since i've you know got three thirty five hundred dollars in a kayak with an xi3 <laughs> and a dakota lithium and everything else uh got a bass boat now so i do a little bit of both um also, the ease of travel with a kayak got me into it. My wife is from Florida, so I spend a lot of time in Florida, where I actually learned to pick up the technique we're going to talk about tonight. And um, But yeah, man, kayak fishing was just easy for me to get into. I had a local dealer around me. They got me into it. And, you know, ever since I stepped foot in my first new canoe, I was like, man, this is this is my boat, and, you know, this is my thing, so... I've always loved competitive fishing, and this was, like I said, a way to get me back into it quickly.
3: Cool, cool. And uh, what boat do you fish out of uh, mostly?
2: Currently, I have a pursuit. Um, I'm looking to go to an Unlimited for 2023. Um, I love my pursuit and all that. It just – I use it with a motor, and I'm thinking – 2023 is going to be the year of me stepping away from the motor to be able to fish anything I want to, because it holds me back from certain tournaments right now. Mm-hmm. And we have a big local series near us. I mean, local it's getting to the point. It's not local anymore. Um, queen city kayak bass fishing out of, uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, who, I mean, average hundred and 120, 130 anglers a tournament. And wow. it's, it's It's getting big and they don't allow motors. And man, it's, it's just, be senseless to fish for less money you know just to be lazy so now
3: do you think you'll do pedal or do you think you'll go the whole way back to paddling
2: no we're going pedal yeah no i'm too lazy to go all the way back to paddle which i i hold that club queen city i hold the biggest bass in in their history right now using this technique we're going to talk about and I did not have a pedal drive for the new canoe and that whole event, I had to drop the motor, having a $1,200 motors, you know, $900 battery sitting at home to <laughs> paddle my butt all day long, but it ended up working out for me. So, I mean,
3: No, most- I feel you. We were talking about the the Hobie event on the Susquehanna and um, I, 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 I pedal an Outback um, and I've been so used the last couple of years to, um, pedaling pretty much everywhere I want to go. And the river was so low this year that on, on, on that tournament, I ended up uh, probably paddling 70% of it. So by the time I was done, man, I was beat cause I was not ready for that at all. And uh, I, I, I definitely, uh, it, it was good cause it, I, I kind of got away from my roots there and had forgot some of the paddling skills. So I kind of got a quick refresher on that. And especially in some of the current that we're in, it was a little hairy at times. It was low, but fast, you know, so you're bouncing off rocks and, you know, it was, it was definitely uh, an interesting time. And uh,
2: man, I had friends that went to that event and had to do the same thing. And I, I just, Remember getting texts about, dude, I'm so sore. I, you know, all I've had to do is paddle because there was a lot of spots in the river with how low, like you said, it was that, man, they were pulling pedal drives and damaging pedal drives. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: You know, man, it, it, that was a, that was a pretty crazy event. So,
3: no, it it was, it was definitely interesting. And that was my first major event. So it was definitely a learning experience for me for sure. Um, I I was kind of glad to get back to my, uh, my small, you know, local uh, kayak anglers or central PA tournaments. Cause uh, I just fished one of those maybe two weekends ago, got 10th out of 22nd. I was happy, you know, it was just laid back, not, not nearly as much pressure. And I was like, okay, okay you know, I did you're that giant. Yeah. You're,
2: you're out there to have fun. Anything you place is a bonus.
3: Right. Absolutely. And, and uh, I was like, I, I don't know that I'm going to be in a super rush to go back to those hobbies. I'm kind of enjoying, you know, the, the small, small stuff, but we'll see, you know, uh, I'm keeping my options open for sure. So.
2: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. For sure.
3: Well, I know you, uh, kind of hinted around, um, uh, the topic for tonight and, um, we're going to cover, uh, pitching and flipping basically and, and, and fishing in grass, you know, and, and, and punching mats, that kind of thing. Um, you know, it's definitely something again, I, I have, um, I'm trying to think of the, the two lakes closest to me. Uh, Pinchot is one and, um, it just has, one section that is particularly matted ever there's a lot of else that's kind of open and um, some kind of submerged grass and stuff but there is definitely some mats and um, I've you know tried my luck at that I I mostly tried frogs and stuff and kind of pulling it across the top hoping something would blow up through it but uh, it doesn't really happen I had a little bit of a luck uh, luck throwing like a popper in the open spots in the middle of the mats kind of anywhere I saw a kind of a pulling up and was you know lucky enough to cast to it uh i had a little bit of luck that way but for the most part i end up skipping it because uh i just get so frustrated uh trying to fish it and um and then uh we have a lake probably uh i want to call it lake x just because it's it's a little bit of a secret it's a um human powered only lake um but in the summer it gets really really grassy like in the winter it's awesome because the grass dies off and you know, there's huge fish in there. And then I, I kind of stopped fishing it in the summer because, A, it's, you can't pedal it because it gets so thick that you have to pretty much paddle. And, B, I just get so frustrated because it's all grass. Like, it it pretty much gets entirely filled up. So um, I think uh, um, punching mats is going to be an awesome topic. And uh, so what what kind of where did you get started and, and how in the heck did you decide, hey, you know, I'm going to go fish in that stuff?
2: Yeah, so, exactly, <laughs> man. So, honestly, I've learned this ta- learned this tactic in the last, like, three years. Um, it's something I've devoted a lot of time to. My wife, being from Florida, I went down there, had a friend who I made in Florida, and he lived in the same town my wife was from, went to high school with my wife, but we became friends way later on. So, he took me and kind of showed me this, and... You know, whenever I'd see stuff like this, I'd do the same thing you would. I'd get frustrated with it, and I'm like, "Dude, there's no way fish can be up in this." <laughs> well, I mean, picture my face when we pull up to nothing but that, and this guy, I I had on a uh, what's the word, a peg Texas rig, three out hook, one ounce weight, and I flip on there, and it just lands on top of it, and sits on top, of it. <laughs> and he's like, "How big's your weight?" I'm like, an ounce? And he's like, dude. He said, pardon my French. He said, you're pissing in the wind. <laughs> he said, dude, there's no way you're getting through that. He said, here, you need to wait. And I'm like, what What do you throw? And he's like, two. I'm like, two what? He's like, two ounces. <laughs> I said, are you kidding me? So I was like, there, this is this is dumb. There's no way this works. So we continued down that edge, and we hit this one point And I'm watching the depth finder, and you watch the bottom just drop down. I'm like, all right. There's a drop off right here, right about the time I saw it on the depth finder. He's on the front of the boat already, knowing dang well it's there, and just leans back, and the braid starts singing against the grass. And I'm like, is it big? I'm like, dude, I haven't even seen the fish move. He's like, dude, I have a giant on here. He said, lean down, try and get this thing out of the grass. So I lean down with my hand, and I reach underneath. And when I reached underneath, I put my hand on her belly and she came flying out. And I mean, all it, it was like a six pound, four ounce fish. He put her in the boat and he's like, Yeah, that's what that's what this is. And I'm like, Are you kidding me? So ever since just the idea of this is a big fish tactic and watching him battle the fish out of that much cover, I was I was hooked. I was like, Man, big line, big stick, big hook, big weight, everything. I don't like I don't like playing around with fish on a spinning rod. So this 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 fit my fit my repertoire pretty well. So went down that line and continued and I caught my first fish flipping into it and from there it, it was on. Came back to South Carolina after that trip. By the way, that day our bag our best five was thirty one four. Wow. Yeah, insane day. Um and that was in Florida. So I came back and about what was that six months later queen city put on the no limit event featuring the big bass power hour so i went to the nearest lake that was on their their available lakes that had that kind of vegetation now granted i'm in south carolina that was in florida and it is now december so not necessarily what you want to do but i know what it can do you will flip a lot of grass to find a 40 yard hot stretch that puts bag in your boat that you would never believe. So, I went out that day seeking one big bite because the hourly payout was a $1,000 for big bass per hour and then okay. the overall MLF style. So, so, basically that event, overall MLF style, no limit, as many measurable fish as you can get and there's an hourly big bass payout. Okay. So, my goal was to go out and catch two big fish and when two grand because it paid the same thing to win the MLF style that it did an hour of big bass. Wow. So I went out on Santee. I fished for four and a half hours without getting a bite and never put the flipping stick down and just kept doing the same thing, kept doing the same thing. I'm like, man, I am wasting my time. I'm about to just hurt my own feelings. I'm going to go home. And then I saw this one green mat that was still alive back in the back of the cove. And That fish I pulled out of there was nine pounds and some change, 24 inches. I mean, dude, belly on the thing like that. It was the biggest bass I've ever caught in my life, and I caught it out of a kayak. And during an event like that, was just huge. I mean, so this tactic, man, it takes some patience and some getting used to because, like I said, you look at that kind of stuff, and if you're not used to seeing stuff that thick, it, it's, it just bounces off your head. You're like, this is pointless. I'm wasting my time. You flip in there. You got to find places the grass creates a canopy. Now, whether it be hydrilla, whether it be gator grass, whatever it is, as long as it mats over and creates canopy, um, you want that shade. This time of year is perfect for it because it's hot. These fish are seeking shade during the daytime. So you want the thickest stuff you can find to me. And if you can get through it, it's usually first or second yo-yo, you're going to get bit. So that is a, it's a way to cover water while fishing slow at the same time in a way, you know, I know that's kind of, but it's been really good to me to be able to cover water that way and just move down a line of grass and, you know, one, two, move on one, two, especially with using a motor. It's been really easy for me, but as you cover, it's hard not to get discouraged because you think, hey, there's no way fish are going to be seeing this. There's so much for, you know, obstructing their sight. But what you don't realize is that what you're flipping through goes down about a foot. And then there's three and a half feet of water below. And what those fish are doing are just sitting there waiting on something to swim by. Now, as you were talking about, hey, throwing something in the holes, those are places light comes through everyone always says throw to the holes yes with moving baits that is the correct thing when you're flipping you do not want to flip into the holes they use that light that comes through the mat as silhouette to be able to pinpoint things it's to be able to see it when you're under there and it's completely dark because it filters out all the sunlight that hole is you know essentially the light in the middle of your room gotcha So what I have always told people is you don't want to flip into the holes. You want to flip to the edges of them, right around the edge. You maybe pick four places on it, left side, back side, front side, right side. If you don't get bit, move to the next one. But those holes are used a lot as ambush points. So that is something to always pay attention to, and I've always found that to be successful. Um, As far as picking the right mats, it's really tough. And that is one thing I'm not going to lie to you about. It is never a hundred percent thing. I flipped a lot of grass and caught not a lot of fish before, (laughs) but it's a tactic that, I mean, big fish use it a lot to be able to get out of boat traffic, to be able to get out of the way of, you know, other fish to have their own little area. You know, you see it a lot. And what is really crazy to me is thinking about, how many times I've flipped into a mat, not gotten bit and how many fish were just sitting under there.
3: So right. I know
2: I, I told you I was going to ramble a lot about
3: this. No, one. no, really, that's good. That Cause I, I need to hear it. I, Cause I need to be convinced that it's, I'm not wasting my time. Cause that, that, as soon as I, you know, flip for uh punch mats for 15 minutes and don't get bit, I'm going to be so tempted to be like, there's no fish here. Yep. And, uh, but you know what? I, I, I got I'm going to have to take, do what, you know, we, we always talk about and that's lock it in your hand and just do it, um, you know, commit to it for at least, you know, one trip and just uh, see what I can get. Now, um, a couple uh, right off the bat, uh, I'm thinking when I when I hear you say two ounces, I'm like, that's like surf fishing weight, you know. So what does that look like? Like, <clears throat> Uh,
2: it's it's a tungsten weight man honestly tungsten's really revolutionized this because hearing just getting into this tactic in the last couple of years and hearing what it used to be it cracks me up their lead weights that they were using were like three inches long i mean now uh tungsten weighs probably about an ounce or it's probably about an inch and a half long and then i mean it's probably half an inch in circumference and i mean the thing is i mean it's They're they're just so expensive that it hurts. But outside of that, I mean, I'm paying $10, $12 for a weight.
3: Okay. Right.
2: But, I mean, the thing is, the way you go about using it and the the equipment you use, it feels a little bit better. I don't flip with anything less than 65-pound braid. Okay. Uh, Snell knots on the hook every time, and you want to make sure you get your snell right because – Basically, before you peg your weight, if you hold your weight up to your Texas rig after you snell it, the hook compared to the weight should pop up like that. It should not be upside down. Gotcha. So what happens is when you set the hook and that weight, big weight comes down and it gets on that flipping hook, it'll pull it up and help you peg that fish right in the top of the mouth. If it does it the other way, it does the opposite effect. But that snell knot's really essential because, man, you're pulling this fish out of seven pounds of vegetation and if it's a three and a half four pound fish man you gotta think you're doing some work right there so 65 to 80 pound braid um two ounce ounce and a half tungsten weight depending on the thickness of what you're flipping if an ounce will get through there here an ounce you get more bites i'll tell you that right now if you can get an ounce through there you'll get more bites because it falls slower but okay. something about something about that two ounce weight to me i avoid getting bit by 12 inch fish it drops like a rock once it falls through there it is super and whenever it drops a 12 inch fish will turn away to it while a four pounder can't stand it i don't know what it is about it but I, it, i've always found that heavier weight just helps me i don't spend as much time trying to get it through the stuff that i'm fishing whether it be hyacinth hmm you know, penny war, whatever it is, but that, that fast drop is better for bigger fish.
3: Gotcha. So, oh, all right. While we're, while we're talking, um, kind of the tackle and everything, you said a flipping hook. What, what does that look like? Is it like a EWG hook or, uh, you know, no,
2: it's straight shank, straight, straight shank with a bait keeper on it. Um, thick wire. I mean, dude, the thing, trocar uh, Owner makes a good one. Trocar makes a good one, which I think I think that's the same company. I'm pretty sure, but um, Strike King makes a really good one in the Hack Attack heavy cover flipping hook, and that's a very cost effective one that has the same look to the Trocar, same sharpness for a better price. Um, usually, I'm three or four aught. I don't like okay. going much bigger. Um, beaver style bait. Sometimes with appendages, sometimes without. It depends on their mood, man. You get a cold front without usually, but if it's been hot, and it's for for South Carolina, this is more of a late summer, fall, especially shad spawn type deal. Um, and usually whenever you're fishing that kind of stuff, and it's been hot for long periods of time, you want as much movement as you can on some of those baits. The Striking uh, Rage Bug, that, that's, a, that's a strong one, man. I, I flip with that thing a lot. Um, you have like three different sets of appendages that you can choose from, and they all come banded to the bait, so you break them off, and then they're new ones, so you can leave them to where you don't have as much action or adjust it accordingly. So you've got flippers, you've got a second little set of flippers up towards the top of it and then you've got antenna and strike king took the antenna and put like little tiny paddle tails on it so even the antenna wow. thing goes back and forth <laughs> i've always liked that bait for punching man that's like i said PV's on it so i can't i'm kind of partial but um, oh yeah yeah reaction innovations make some really good beavers for punching um in the sweet beaver and the kinky beaver i know The reaction kills me. (laughs) Yep.
3: Yep. I love their names. Yeah. They
2: (laughs) they crack me up. I'll tell you, California 420, that's a good one. And then they, uh, their June bugs, good. And, uh, but I'll tell you that California 420 is like all we flip with in Florida. And man, it is, it is money in the bank. Like every time, like it doesn't matter. Water clarity. It doesn't matter if we've had, they've had rain. Doesn't matter if it's been hot as you know what. It always produces. Cause I mean, so the area she's my wife's from in florida is near crystal river and it's got some of the clearest water in florida and i mean there's springs there that you're looking down and thinking you're in 12 inches of water and it's four and a half feet five foot deep wow Um, yeah and so when it rains there it it their version of dingy water and my version of dingy water are two (laughs) very different things i mean i fish chocolate milk up here if they had that color water down there they wouldn't be able to catch fish for weeks. Um, but yeah, man, those beavers, the, those beaver style baits are really good. And, um, gambler lures also makes some slept on lures that people use for punching. So just, uh, just a couple of, uh, couple of things that we go to there. Um, and then outside of that, it's just finding the right grass. And I think, that is the hardest part of it because every time you have the opportunity to do this, it seems that you're stuck with an expanse. Expanses mm-hmm. of grass. And to look at something that's almost completely covered over, you're like, well, where, you know, where, where do I start? And you know, it comes back down to your topo maps and looking at what it runs along. Like I said earlier, I was watching the graph and I watched it just slope down you got those pockets and I mean, they'll sit on transitions like they do anywhere else. So it's all about finding that or even extra cover in the grass. I can't tell you how many times you find a lay down with a mat around it and dude, it is just one after the other, after the other, after the other, and you're flipping right in the same spot. And it's just because it's so much to hide in right there. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, and having someone in front of you and watching them catch fish while you've been doing this for an hour and not catching fish is just the most frustrating thing. <laughs> it's it's streaky and it just takes one different movement of the rod tip to change everything.
3: Gotcha. Gotcha. And that's interesting because I, I, I wondered how, like, if you're following up someone and you're doing, you're trying to mimic them, you know, and they're catching fish and you're not, it's definitely... It, it's uh, I guess until you get that that one twitch the way it needs to be twitched that that really makes the makes the triggers the reaction and gets to the bite.
2: Yeah, and a lot of times with this stuff, man, everybody wants to drop it in there. Once you get it in the mat and sit there and yo-yo five, eight, nine times, and it's like, man, one, two, three, good enough for me. I mean, that's the way I think about it. You drop in. It falls down. You br- I usually bring up about, I don't know, a quart- depending on how deep it is. Now, obviously, you could be flipping mats in 15 feet of water. You could be flipping mats in a foot of water. Let it hit the bottom. Bring it up once and drop it back. Then after that, you want to come up just about a foot off the bottom. Shake a couple of times, drop, come up. Once that happens, if he ain't bit by then, he ain't there. You've covered the entire expanse of what he wants to see. And I mean, is it that, hey, there's not a fish there? No, it's that that fish ain't eaten. Gotcha. And, and as tournament fishermen, I feel like we struggle with that a lot. It's, hey, you know, there's fish here. You know, I can't get them to eat. How much time do I need to spend on a non-active group of fish before I just need to go spend time finding an active group? Right. And that is, that is what a lot of grass fishing situations are. Now, we've just covered the the thing that I love the most, and that's flipping and pitching it. Um, But when you're in a body of water with a lot of grass, you're usually kind of limited on what you can do. I mean, you get out there in the middle. For instance, shaky head, grass, and shaky head do not go hand in hand. And I love to throw a shaky head. Mm -hmm. So going to Florida and having to adjust to that, like, oh, I can't throw this anymore, was hard for me. Um, You have to switch to those Texas rigs. There's smaller profiles that can actually be moved through it. And this year, for the first time pretty much in my life that I can remember, Lake Murray has a ton of grass in it right in my hometown. Hmm. We've got a hyd- lot of hydrilla growing this year. Is it matted out? No. It is still deep and, you know, on the bottom, four foot off the bottom in places. But go figure – they spray it in 2005 it takes 30 pounds to win a tournament here in 2005 they spray it for the next 15 years it took 15 to 20 pounds to win a tournament wow now we're starting to see 25 26 28 we're starting to see those numbers come back so you know people get rid of this stuff because of pleasure boaters and depending on the areas you're in it'll be worse than others for example florida if they combated money to fight grass growth in Florida, Florida would be broke. I mean, they would have no money. Yet. Right, it's constant. It is every yes. year. Mm-hmm. So here they really did one huge nuke over the whole lake, and I mean they there there was two to I'd say five. I'd say I'll say five years that there was absolutely desolate, no grass in the lake. Wow. And watching it come back and being knowing what I do about it now and of watching it come back in the last two or three years has been like, you know, I've been ready for this for so long. <laughs> so um, different ways to fish it, man. It's not only visible grass. A, a lot of grass fishing is non-visible. Get on your graph um, and find areas actually where the grass is not. Go figure. You can find hard spots in the middle of these long grass lines, just areas where the grass isn't growing. Maybe it's a rock pile. Maybe there's a tree down there. Maybe it's a spot where current hits funny. You know, you never know. But if you can find those hard spots, man, nine times out of ten, if you're staring at the graph, you start seeing those little dots of shadows, man. You know they're there. You're able to really put it together, and that's a good way to find them, concentrated and fired up quick. Um, chatter baits spinner baits um texas rigs through the middle of those hard spots and there's where you can start throwing the shaky head again if you can get away from the grass um those are all really good ways to uh go about it um another thing in the mornings when they're not pushed up in as far you find that in the mornings fish are more active when that temperature's cooler and are more apt to come out and hit something moving on top of the mat or on the edge of the mat. Mm -hmm. Um, I've caught fish flipping in the morning, but I'll tell you it's much better once the sun gets up. Once you get through your morning schooling bite or whatever you've got, that's when you have flip. Once it starts getting dead, because that's the thing. This is not a tactic you're going to go out and catch a fish. It's been done, but this is not a common thing right it's something that you can go out and put it together you're going to put three to four i mean good ones i mean 18 plus inch fish and the kite
3: right so, no And and uh, for the tournaments like you were talking about where there there's a big fish every hour every once in a while they have those up here too and um you know that seems ideal for that you know because like you said you you win one hour or yo if you if you win two hours man you're you're set so um, that I think lends itself perfectly to that kind of fishing or that kind of tournament. So definitely. Um, I wanted to ask quickly, uh, real and rod, you know, are we talking like extra heavy or what can I get away with a heavy, you know, I, I, you
2: can get away with heavy. I, I flip with a seven, six heavy. Uh, it's uh, Fitzgerald. And the only reason I, I, I'm a lose guy, I'm on a team with Lose, and I hate to say this, but I flip with Fitzgerald, and the only reason is because of the warranty. You are rough on those rods, man. I mean, if you are flipping into that kind of stuff, you are not going to be easy on this piece of equipment. I like a metal geared reel, something like that. Lose uh, the Lose Heavy Duty series, um, something with metal gears, because as you're pulling through this stuff, and especially if you're pegged up with a good one through it i mean that reel's doing some work um but as far as the rod go seven six heavy fitzgerald 65 to 80 pound braid and uh something with metal gears to keep yourself from shearing them because if it's something with ceramic gears man you'll get you'll get through a few trips with it no doubt you'll catch a few fish with it but you will find that if it's an expensive reel with ceramic gears you'll go to clean it the next time the nice uh nice dusting all over everything as <laughs> the gears are disintegrated in there.
3: Oh yeah, uh, I I can only imagine. I don't I don't know that I have a a, a reel yet. I have a Douglas extra or a heavy that I got from Brian, you know, um, you know, ordered it through him and you know, uh, that's been my frogging rod. So I think I have a rod that'll do it. Definitely might have to do some shopping for a reel because I'm telling uh, you-
2: what i've found man instead of you know your metal gear reels are really expensive i'll go out and buy a 50 you know cheapy cheap bait caster and if it lasts a year of punching great and then i'll buy another well
3: you know? in that case then i might have it because i have a bunch of cheap kind of bigger uh bait casters like uh as you long know as the casking or something down, you're good yeah yeah <laughs> Cool. Well, um, I, okay. So I think I'm good. Um, how about, and you do straight braid, no uh, braid to leader or anything like that?
2: No, you do not want to play with a leader in that thick stuff, man. I mean, even if it is something heavy, they, if they eat it in that thick of stuff, they are not paying attention to braided line. And, you. It's, and it is an incredible bite. I'll tell you, if you haven't caught a fish doing it the first time you flip in there and you pick up and it's just super heavy and you think it's grass. And then all of a sudden your rod tip goes and it's like, <laughs> oh (laughs) i mean and i'll tell you braid makes some crazy sounds against grass it's some beautiful (laughs) stuff man i mean i call it the funny fiddle it's just uh it is uh it is some it makes some squealing whining noises that it'll make hair stand up on you
3: that sounds (laughs) awesome that sounds like definitely an experience i want to have so
2: Yeah man, it's something to go look at if you've never seen this tactic or even thought about you know attempting this tactic. Go watch some videos from Gunnersville and like Bobby Lane, Bobby Lane on Eufala MLF event. Um, He went on a a drainage pipe run, is what they call it. That's what the video is called. But there's this huge grass mat, and on the backside of the grass mat is this pipe that is just pushing water into Lake Eufala. And he sits on this mat for like five and a half hours. I mean, never moves just flipping all around his boat, but this one concentrated mat, dude, he put like 30 some odd pounds in the boat. And every time he set the hook, it was over four and a half pounds. I mean, wow. it's just, it's just such a super cool tactic. And that was honestly where I first saw it was watching Bobby Lane and those other Florida guys and people on Gunnersville too, that came from these places with just mass amounts of grass that you need to learn this tactic to be able to compete. And watching that, I was like, man, I don't have anywhere around here that can do that. Well, then, you know, 2019 Bassmaster comes to Santee Cooper, hour from my house. Carl Jockamson wins it using this tactic, and I'm like, dude, wait a minute. I didn't know there was punchable grass on Santee. I'd never been there. Mm-hmm. I just, I've seen pictures and whatnot. I went to Santee like two weeks after that tournament was over and I was like, Oh my gosh, I don't know if I want to fish the lake that's five minutes from my house now. <laughs> it's just, it's cypress forest in water. It's awesome. It really wow. is. And that I'm does sound awesome. Yeah. It's really great for a kayak because that's the thing. You can run up these creeks that there's no chance for a boat to get up. Mm-hmm. I mean, unless it's a 14-foot John boat, they can't fit between these trees. So, you know, I, I really do like having the kayak and the bass boat. I get the best of both worlds because if I find something in the bass boat, I will throw it on a waypoint and go, hey, man, what's the nearest ramp to here? I got to go back here and see if this creek's got something. You know what I mean? It's right. Awesome. I love
3: it. Yep, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, so you can kind of scout a little bit and cover the water with your boat and then uh, come back and hit the juicy-looking stuff right. and really work your way through it. Cool. A um, couple more questions. Um, when you're punching through the mat, you um, when you're talking about yo-yoing, you go to the bottom. When you come back, are you going back up to the underside of the mat or are you just coming up?
2: You want to – I mean, no. It, it Obviously, it's going to depend how deep it is because – when you lift your rod tip, obviously you're gonna bring it up about a foot. If it's really shallow, no, I'll bring it up just off the bottom and then just do a little shake. If there's not enough room to do much, because I I have caught fish out of mats in Florida and South Carolina, that those fish had to be laying on their side to be up under there. There's <laughs> no other logical explanation because their backs should have been out of the water, right? So, but I've also caught fish in mats that it takes six seconds for a two ounce weight to hit the bottom
3: wow okay
2: you know there's a variety but anyways i'm bringing it up about that six inches to a foot off the bottom something just to grab attention um okay i'd say 80 to 85 percent of your bites doing this are on the initial drop i mean you will pick up on it to do your first once it hits the bottom you'll pick up on it do your first yo-yo and you'll feel boom boom or It'll just be super heavy. And I'll tell you that spongy, like I'm not talking about you're using a two ounce weight. It's not going to be a little heavy. It's going to feel like there is a purse attached to the <laughs> other end of your, you know, your line. So that, and I will also tell you one mistake a lot of people do, and it causes them to lose a lot of fish doing this is flip in let it fall on a slack line. Once it hits the bottom, flip your reel over and then, you know, pick your slack up off the water and start to pull. And it's like, Oh, I got a bite. By the time you feel that bite, that fish is underneath you, dude. They grab that thing and run. That is every one of them does it. By the time you feel them, that fish is three foot away from where your bait went in there. If you leave mm-hmm. it a slack, he's six foot away from there. Um, I let it, You flip in, keep your rod tip up. I do not click my reel until after I've yo-yoed once. Um, Reason for that being is I'm feeling as that line comes out, it's braid, it's heavy braid. When one wallops it on the way down, you'll feel it in the reel. I mean, you'll feel it down on your thumb. Mm
3: -hmm. And
2: a lot of people also think, oh, big line, big hook, big weight. I need to drop, put some slack in it. And absolutely crack it to them. That is not the case. Hmm. It is a lot like a drop shot hook set. I like
3: really
2: Interesting. as it goes in, rod tip up. When you get bit, lean back into it. Do not drop and let slack down. Because when you do that, it's just like a drop shot. It lets that two-ounce weight drop down in their mouth. You think a little drop shot, quarter ounce drop shot weight dropping down, and when they drop it because of that what do you think a two ounce weight's going to do? I mean, it's a rock dropping in the bottom. Man.
3: <laughs> right. Um,
2: and when you lean back into it, let your gear do the work. I mean, that extra heavy rod, heavy braid, um, that snell knot. And when that hook s- sinks down and hits against the, O of the hook, it's going to bring that thing up and let it do its job right into the top of the mouth every time. But I slack line hook sets, is one thing I love to do, especially like worming on deep humps and stuff on Lake Murray. You know, when I get bit, it's drop it down, give him just a second and slam it to him. And I had to get away from that learning this tactic because it's all you want to do with that heavy tackle. But if you do it, you'll miss so many fish. And I'll tell you, a two ounce weight at 80 miles an hour from a missed fish hurts so bad. And I don't care where it hits you. I mean, it will leave bruises. It'll look like you played paintball.
3: I've heard horror stories about chipped teeth and all sorts of stuff. Uh, uh, so that's definitely something I guess you have to kind of learn and uh, be careful of a little bit. But
2: yeah, yeah. You do not want that thing coming back at you at 90 miles an hour. It is a <laughs> bullet, it's literally a bullet. <laughs>
3: I was going to ask you, speaking of bullet, um, I was going to ask you about, uh, weight shapes. Like I know, um, I know Jimmy Skinner, uh, um, he talks a lot about like tomahawk shaped weights, um, that he uses. And, and, uh, I've heard of different kind of styles like that. Is it more just like a, an egg sinker or what, what kind of shape are we talking about?
2: You mind holding on for one second? Nope.
3: Nope. Go ahead, man. <laughs> While well, he's uh running to grab that guys um, thanks again for tuning in we're getting lots of great juice I hope you guys are enjoying the podcast and um, uh, I am super looking forward to get out and getting out and trying this I uh, gonna have to dust off the the dust off my uh, um, my heavy rod because it just doesn't get a lot of action here where I am but uh I might be making a trip shortly to, to go try that out so yeah man
2: so sorry about that but yeah. no no worries that is the flipping rod and man this is this is it so as far as the weight shape and everything goes that is okay that's an ounce and a half um not the full two ounce okay pegged beaver style bait you want that straight line so it can fall straight through the grass if you end up with it you know bunched down on it with a little bit of arch and all that kind of stuff it never wants to fall through correctly um so the way it's rigged 100 percent is a big deal another thing if you're one of those guys that goes hey i'm gonna bring you know i got four of those left in that pack that should be good enough this giant wire hook you will go through these beavers even though you don't catch fish on them going through that heavy stuff it'll come out eventually start tearing a hole in the back of it you go through plastic doing this so i'm a big proponent of trying to find bait makers that use recycled plastics and stuff like that that you can donate your old stuff to because man you will really go through a bunch of them but also uh i talked about that hack attack hook earlier that is it um, you see, it's just bait keeper right there, straight shank, heavy, heavy wire. I mean, you can see how thick that thing is. Um, when it's when it's got to hold up, you know, eight pounds worth of grass and bass, it uh, it's got to be, it's got to have the ability to do it. So I was gonna yeah. say, you're
3: not gonna want something that could possibly bend out, because I'm sure you use any kind of light stuff, and that's gonna bend right away.
2: And that's it. That that I could probably pick up a five gallon bucket full of water with this rod so i mean dude you gotta think that hook's gotta be able to withstand that kind of pressure and you don't want to disappoint yourself because a lot of times when you get bitten grass it is not a small fish
3: mm-hmm. so you want to make sure you're you're getting that fish in the whole way. that that kind of brought me to another question that i was having um how often are you really like pulling in half the mat with the fish is that that see I, like i've seen pictures of people pulling in like a huge clump of stuff and you know, there's a fish in there somewhere, but, uh,
2: it depends how the fight goes, man. Um, it, I, I like to say that if you pull in a lot of grass with the fish, uh, he, he got you to an extent. Um, but a lot of times with those big ones, it's hard not to, um, it depends what they do when you hook them. A lot of times if they take off out of it and you've got long strands of like the, uh, the base stem through there it'll drag it out with it and you'll end up with a huge mess other times like that video i sent in the group earlier man i set the hook on that one it was a seven pounder set the hook on that fish and all he did was come straight up and jump right out the top of the mat on top and come out just like you should yeah you know, it, it it really depends but um you know i've got a lot of videos from that trip and a couple of them i mean you'll set it into there. We, we've caught fish in Florida where you set the hook so deep in the mat that you can't get to them with the trolling motor. You have to fire up the big motor to get into the mat just to be able to get up to the fish, fight down, get them out of there, ripping stuff apart, gators gators on the water. You know? You're down there just trying to wrestle a bass out of there. But yeah, I mean, man, it, it depends how the fight goes. Um,
3: and I guess that really makes uh, like what you're talking about earlier about not letting them get that run. And uh, probably makes a huge difference. So it's you know, the important. less, the less you can let them, the less distance you can let them cover, the less you're going to have to try and pull them back through. So
2: right, and that's the thing, pulling them back through is not something you necessarily want. I mean, you, you got to think when you put that much pressure, enough pressure to pull your boat over towards this fish on this 80 pound braid. Imagine how much pressure that's putting on this hook in this fish's mouth. It's not going to stand forever. You'll get to the point if you try and like pull him out of the grass or something crazy like that. It's you can do it with that braid, but you'll end up pulling the hook out of fish's mouth.
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: I've had that happen many times too.
3: Gotcha, gotcha. Not,
2: not a good experience to see a tail of a bass on top of a mat like your two hands, and then feel it pull off and watch oh. it just go down.
3: Yep, yeah. yeah, there it goes.
2: Depression. <laughs>
3: Um, another question i had um so do you t- kind of sit on the edge uh or do you get like right in the thick stuff like kayak i imagine you can kind of float on top somewhat. That's it. But.
2: so that was one thing i loved about punching out of the kayak man so on gunnersville in 2019 i had this whole cove that was layered over with hydrilla and it's like bass boats would fish the edge of it and move on well doing some research there's a creek that runs through there and towards the back of it that creek drops down but it's 50 yards into the map kayaks especially the new canoes with how much little water it drafts, mm-hmm. right over the top of it paddled all the way back there started flipping once i got on that creek channel and you know started way and those are essentially virgin fish man you know nobody messes with them
3: right no no that makes sense so um I was th- I was thinking that that you know I should be able to get back on top of it, even even though it looks intimidating yeah. and I'm sure it's not super easy to paddle through that, but no,
2: it's not
3: uh, but um it, like you said, it's definitely you're gonna definitely find fish that don't get pressured nearly as much because people uh boats and you know even you know uh uh you know if someone can get to the shore around them, it's still not going to be easy to get to them and you know kind of punch through that stuff from the shore, so
2: most of the time I'm running down grass edges, especially ones that have good depth on them and you know topographical changes. Um, but I will tell you, man, that getting the thickest, nastiest mat and getting back into it you can find can produce, it really can. Um, and distance away from your edge, I'd say your flips, you're using a two ounce weight. And it's a mat that when the wind's blowing on a main lake point, those fish hear that waves, those waves and water all the time. In a mat, they don't hear that. They're sitting under something that blocks all that, and it just stays completely still. So when you flip on top of it, you don't want to slap. You don't. You want to put your finger back on the spool as it's going to hit the water, and you want a s- s- quiet entry. Deal. Deal with getting through the vegetation with your rod tip once it lands. Don't okay try and deal with it on the way in because if you're flipping higher to try and get through all that man those fish are underneath there are just hearing wham and i'll tell you in a kayak it's really hard to punch because kayaks reverberate sounds so bad mm-hmm. i mean you drop a rod in your kayak and it makes that big thud if you think fish around you don't hear that you're crazy so right. that's one thing you want to have your deck clear You want to have your rod that you're using on hand. You don't want a lot at your feet to kick around. Movements need to be kind of stealthy. Um, And I'll attest to that by saying that fish I caught on Santee, the nine-pounder, I literally was up against a – this mat was a six-foot circle. My kayak was up against the side of it after two flips in there without getting bit, and I reached over and set my bait on top of it wiggled it through and dropped it down picked up on it Wham. just it, it requires a bit of stuff well i'm glad
3: you said that too because i was kind of thinking that you would have to have some kind of travel to it to get it through there but you're saying you you basically just wanted to hit the top and kind of work its way down through
2: i lay it i lay it on top as gently as i can and from there you twitch your rod tip and what that does is that weight will fall down and when you twitch your rod tip it pushes some of that stuff out of the way and then drops back down and if you can keep doing that it digs itself in and eventually gotcha. you'll find that what you want is your line to start taking off underneath there from there you want it to fall in a slack line but you want to keep your rod tip up and if it stops for any abrupt reason too much go to feel it because if they will hit it on the way down 99% of the time. You want a quick drop. You don't want it being real slow dropping down, but you want to be able to feel it when they eat it.
3: Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Well, yeah, that definitely, I'm I'm glad you brought that up because I would have totally screwed that part up because, you yeah. know. And that, uh,
2: the open open bale baitcaster as it sinks and leaving your thumb on the spool and when you get bit, just setting the hook like that is an old school method. And it comes in to the fact that, A, you can control the speed of the drop b you don't waste your time with that slack line trying to get your stuff bet ready to go back and pick up you don't let that fish have the run and c a lot of times when you're fighting fish out of the stuff you want your drag cinch down pretty hard Mm -hmm. but you want drag there when you set the hook so you're not absolutely you know Straight braid, man. You don't want to maul this thing into this fish's mouth. So when you've got your thumb on the spool and you set the hook, you've got that little bit of give. It's gonna, right. it's gonna spin out just a smidge, enough mm-hmm. time for you to go click and start reeling down. And I, I have remedied losing fish like doing that. That is an old, old school trick. The man that taught it to me was like eighty-seven. <laughs> <laughs> So that is something I've been taught with flipping and that, that goes for any type of flipping. Whether you're flipping wood cover, grass cut you know, thick matted grass on um, docks. I always flip with my finger on the bale because I can control the drop and I can react quicker. And like I said, my drag's there. My finger right. is my drag. Right. But because when I'm flipping, I like to set the hook hard and that just usually ends in broken lines. So <laughs> try to avoid that the
3: most I can. Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, well, we are coming up uh, on an hour here. So um, anything else you can think of, um, you know, any other tips for punching that you can just, you know, you're like, uh, it took you a little bit to learn or, you know, hey, uh, I made this mistake. So try not to make this mistake.
2: Yeah, I mean, dude, my main thing was just going, this stuff has too much on top. There's no way to get anything through it. There's no way fish are going to live under there. Dude, they totally live under there. They do. And, I mean, those are fish that are. they don't see a lot. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, can, it can put you in a good position. Nine times out of ten, when you're flipping something that big, that thing's like four and a half, five inches long when you're flipping something that big into a mat, you're trying to represent a bluegill or a giant shad. So look for areas that if the grass wasn't there, that you would target those same fish. That is one thing I thought, pay attention to, to- topographical you know, changes. Mm-hmm. Fish it like you would if the grass wasn't there. But this is a tactic to fish under the gills. So, you know... That, that That is what it took me doing, was going, hey, this stuff's not impossible to fish in, but how do I identify how to break it down? Because there's a lot of it. and it's the same way you would anywhere else. You go on those Navionics web app and you see, hey, this creek channel swings right up against the bank. You go on Google Maps and see, hey, there's a huge grass map along that bank. That grass map's going to have good water underneath it. Money. I mean, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that that was the hardest part for me was trying to identify how, how to break down a place that had a ton of.
3: Gotcha, gotcha. No, and that makes sense. And it, I think like the one lake I was talking about that uh, uh, human powered only lake. I I'm lucky. I know where the deeper parts are because of fishing it in the winter when it when all that stuff is not there. So um, I'm kind of excited to go try that there now. Uh, definitely uh yeah, you're, you're in the right time uh,
2: of year for it there too
3: yeah yeah so all right man well cool i i again tons of great information uh i am super psyched to go out and try this now uh and uh i appreciate everything i wanted to give you a chance uh to shout out you know a uh, where can folks find you on social media
2: yeah man um so i'm on pretty much all of it i'm not on twitter but Instagram, Facebook all of it blaine upton fishing or blaine upton um blaine Upton's going to be my personal account blaine upton fishing is always my fishing stuff so you know whatever you feel like seeing most of but hopefully it's the fishing stuff so the blaine upton fishing page also um palmetto state um we we're finishing up our season this year but check us out and um and in queen city there's a big group in our area too so everybody needs to keep an eye out for them. They're growing like, uh, growing like crazy. So, um, sponsor wise, man, I really want to thank uh, new canoe for everything they do for me and, um, losing strike King, man, that's been a great company to work with and they're local to me. So right here, in that's pretty backyard. sweet. Nice. Yeah, I work, uh, I work a mile from their, southeastern headquarters it's awesome wow We're, wow I had a, nice. a lot of friends out of high school go to work for them so and then we also have pure fishing in our area which is abu garcia mm-hmm. um all, all those companies so we a lot of it's based in columbia believe it or not but anyways okay. sponsor wise Lou strike king new canoe um bending branches i'm a bending branches ambassador man i really appreciate them because a lot of times when I'm using this tactic, I've got to have a paddle in my hand, and if I do have to have a paddle in my hand, it needs to be one that's not going to wear me out. So, Bending Branches, and uh, Brian Schiller, man. Brian Schiller for helping me helping me get on here and linking us up and just being Brian.
3: Doing he is awesome a good things. dude, man. Absolutely.
2: I love me some Brian Schiller.
3: <laughs> awesome, dude. Well, again, thanks so much for coming on. If you um, bear with me a little bit after I run the um, outro, I just wanted to you know, have a quick chat before, uh, uh, we finish up. But, uh, again, thank you so much for coming on, especially last minute. Um, I'll definitely have you on again, man. Cause, uh, yeah, I, you know, okay. we'll see what other rabbit holes we can go down and, uh, you know, uh, I appreciate it again so much. So for sure, dude. All right, guys. Well, thanks again for tuning in for another episode of bass fishing for noobs, where we bring you the techniques, the tricks, and the tips to help you rip more lips. You guys have a good night
1: Jigmasters Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to Jigmasters.com and fill your tackle boxes today.